The Film Guide with Sam and Chris, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Hello and welcome to this week's St Albans Film Guide with me, Chris Aikman, and uh, this week's main presenter, the the wonderful, the the lovely, the sparkling, the elegant, the graceful Dr Samantha Rolfe, um, film historian, obviously. You're here to talk about all things film, basically, am I right? You're you're mostly right. I am not a film historian. I would not like to claim any film history knowledge. Okay, sure. I might have gone slightly overboard on that in your credentials. But you are here to talk about what is new to cinemas this week, this week being Friday the 25th of March. So what is new to cinemas today? Well, the big release this week is a Michael Bay extravaganza i'm sure probably some robots from another planet they might make an appearance probably not actually this is a movie called ambulance yes i'm actually Uh, quite looking forward to this okay (laughs) (laughs) you seem less sure well it's michael bay it is michael bay and Michael Bay has more recently had a bit of a spottier thing Uh, we've talked about it before that six underground is one of the worst things i've ever seen but he still made The Rock, which is an undisputed classic. Yeah, but like you're only as good as your last dot dot dot. As, as far as I'm Are concerned. you though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't. I, I, I you don't can't, agree, but sure. I just don't think you can ride on. When was The Rock out? Sorry. Uh, 1995. Yeah, please. Like <laughs> I sang "Incy Wincy Spider" beautifully when in 1995. Doesn't mean I'm riding high on that since then, am Okay, I? sure. I mean, to be fair, you'd never shut up about it. <laughs> uh, but well, anyway, what is Ambulance about for, for those listening? Well, we have got Jake Gyllenhaal, we have Yaya Abdul-Mateen and Isa Gonzalez, who are all in a breakneck thriller where we've got, well, specifically, I think it is, this is Yaya Abdul-Mateen's character. He's a decorated veteran, needs to cover his wife's medical bills. And this is set in America. So, of course, I don't know what's wrong with his wife, but whatever it is, they have to pay ridiculous amounts of money to get yep. basic medical care over there. So really, I'm sure this is a, a massive, um, you know, sort of holding a mirror up to society, no doubt. And he asks for help from the one person he knows he shouldn't, apparently, his adoptive brother, Danny, who is played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And so they go on a bank heist, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Why not? So yep. here we are, a thrilling storyline. Uh, his, you know, the character's wife's survival on the line, they're looking to collect $32 million. And of course, everything goes perfectly fine and there's no drama. Yep, no problems whatsoever. Everyone is happy and lives happily ever after. Yep. So, yep, don't need to see it. Well, of course, that's not the case, Chris. It's oh. called Ambulance. Where do you think that comes in? Do you know? Where, where, where does it come in? Well, they end up having to hijack an ambulance, which sounds oh. pretty pretty scary. But then um, it all ends happily ever after. I mean, sure. <laughs> cool. Okay. As long as everyone's happy. Yeah. So that's where Isa Gonzalez comes in. She's uh, involved in in the ambulance side of things. She's an EMT. So yeah, I'm sure it's it's going to be pretty pretty buzzed as a movie. <laughs> sure. Uh, so if we don't fancy big blockbusting action from Michael Bay. Where can we go? This does have a much smaller release. 
Yes. But it is still out today in the cinemas. But it's actually coming out on Mubi, the streaming service, on the 13th of May. So if you maybe don't catch us in the cinema, it's also coming to streaming uh, in a few weeks. And this is called The Worst Person in the World. This has uh, had a lot of incredibly good reviews and a lot of a lot of buzz around it. It was it was even nominated um, for several Oscars and, and BAFTAs quite recently. Renee uh, Reinsver, sorry, Renee, if that is a butchering of your name, Norwegian actor, won the Best Actress at the Cannes Film Festival last year. So there's been a lot of favourable reviews about this film. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty, pretty interesting. So yeah, this is a sort of later in life, coming of age type story. Her, her character Julie is is on the verge of turning thirty and has some some life choices to make. And over the course of a, a four year journey, she na- navigates love affairs and existential uncertainty. I mean, aren't we all? And deciding who she wants to become. I personally can't wait until I turn thirty. Yeah, me either. <laughs> So yeah, that's, that's out today, um, The Worst Person in the World, and something not out today, but actually out next week, uh, but before the next podcast, uh, what's out on Thursday the 31st of March? Well, yeah, I didn't know if I was maybe treading on on Howard's toes a little bit here, because I'm sure they might pick this up next week as well. Just go for it. Just go for it. Sure. Just go for it. We've got the next Marvel instalment. This is... Well, well this is, we, should be, we should be very clear. It's a Marvel character but it's one of the Sony Marvel films. So it's not in the MCU, but it's in the Sony. So this is where the crossover is, where there's the Spider-Man are in the MCU, but they're also Sony. And then, but Venom is Sony Marvel. And this is another one of those. Do you know what? They should all just play together and just like not make it so complicated. It's fine. (laughs) Sure. So this, this character is called Morbius. And yep. he is a biochemist and tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease, but inadvertently, oh my days, infects himself with a form of vampirism instead. Like just, you know, as you do. Yep. It, ha- it can happen all the time. All the time. All the time. It happened to my mate. I'm quite, glad you're a, I'm quite glad you're a planetary scientist and cannot accidentally turn into a vampire. You might, however, turn into a planet. Who knows? You just don't know, Chris. Science is wild. Nope. You scientists just sciencing it up that I care in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who knows what you turn into? Yeah, you just you can't say. But yeah, so I'm assuming this will be you know probably reasonably well received. Marvel slash Sony don't seem to you know they're not going to be putting money into this sort of a thing if they're not going to make an effort. Well, actually, but yeah, so we'll see what we'll see how it turns out. We will indeed. Right, part two of the podcast is always when we see what is new to streaming uh, this week. So, Sam, what is new on the internet for us to consume with our eyes, ears and brains? Mm, thank you for including the brain there, Chris. That was very important. Well, you know, it's art. We don't we don't just look at it or listen to it. We we process it and we, we take it in and, and think about what does it mean? What have I seen? How does it affect me and my life? Does it have anything to say about, about the world or about humanity, the human condition uh, what are its themes there's a lot lot going on in art so much so much unless you're listening to the black eyed peas and then then there's not so much <laughs> well there you go you heard it here first That's my uh <clears throat> hot take of the black eyed peas hot take chris's opinion yep. this has been chris's hot take corner
Well, new to Netflix. Yes. Coming out on Wednesday the 30th, so a few more days until it's actually released, is a movie called All Hail. This is an Argentinian movie. So this could be a good one for you, Chris, for your feature. Where to next? Yes, we haven't done an Argentinian movie yet. Can I add it to the list? Indeed. And this is about uh, a weatherman. A weatherman? No. Weatherman? (laughs) It's not his name. It's not his last name. (laughs) Mr. Weatherman. Mr. Weatherman. Well, I mean, not that weathermen, weather people, weather presenters, (laughs) I don't know, can't be meteorologists and that meteorologists can't be TV weather presenters. Weatherman. But in in some places I saw that the character Miguel Flores was uh, listed as a TV weatherman, but in other places listed as a meteorologist. Sure. Which can be different and and also you can be both, but at the same time you might be one or the other. That's really not the point. Anyway, so... Moving on to part three of the podcast. So... It's very problematic for him because he becomes public enemy number one when he fails to predict a terrible hailstorm. And I'm assuming it's, you know, bigger than a golf ball hailstorm uh, where there's probably a lot of damage. People may be injured or killed. I don't know exactly, but he is forced to leave the city of Buenos Aires, which is where he's where he's where he's currently, you know, presenting the weather. Yeah. And he has to flee to his birthplace of Cordoba. And the result, apparently, will be a voyage of rediscovery that is absurd as it is human. Okay. Which sounds great. Sure. So that is all hail. Nice little pun there. Mm. Bit of double meaning, like that. Yeah. Uh, That is from Argentina, and that is new on Netflix on Thursday, the 30th of March. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Moving on to part three, this is Sam's regular feature, Sam's Friday Fright Night, where you pick a new movie every month. Well, I say new movie. They're not new movies, uh, as in just released, um, because this one very much isn't. Uh, but they're, they're often new to us. Is there any that... Have you picked any that you'd seen before in previous months? Because I'd seen Audition, but I hadn't seen it for a long time when you picked it. Sure. I... I don't think so as yet. No, I don't think I've done a rewatch because I was tempted to do The Descent at one point. Yes. But I've seen that quite a few times and I can probably pretty much play the movie in my mind. Yeah. But yeah, so no, so far I've picked, and I think this is kind of the joy of it, that I get to pick movies that I've yet to see and, you know, sort of give it give them a try and... But yeah, it could be interesting to do a to do a rewatch of something I've seen before at some point. Well, your your pick of the film this month was the 1987 British horror film Hellraiser, written and directed by Clive Barker, uh, horror legend Clive Barker. And I'm going to be honest, uh, I'd never seen this film, uh, and, and neither of you. 
I hadn't really appreciated that it was a British film. No, not at all. In my mind, I'd assumed it was uh, American. Yeah, and watching it, not knowing it was a British film, you might be forgiven for thinking that it isn't a British film. Yes, it's set in Britain, and it's fil- they filmed it in Britain, in, it, in largely in a house in London, and there are sort of three main characters, a family of a daughter, father, and stepmother. And the stepmother is British, and the father and the daughter are American. And But that's sort of all explained, like, you know, married the stepmother and they've moved back. They used to live in Brooklyn. They mentioned that a couple of times. They've moved back to the UK. The UK in 1987, populated by quite a few Americans. Yeah, that's right. And considering the house is pretty much the only location, largely. There's, yeah, there's a couple of bits out, sort of out and about. I but... think you'd be forgiven for not even know. Like, I, I genuinely didn't even re- properly realise it was meant to be sit- set in Britain. So, okay, I, th- I don't think the location... I, The house, to be fair, I did think that's a lot of pebble dashing for an American house. <laughs> I thought it was a very British looking house. Yeah, so actually, now that I think about it, yes, the pebble dashing does give it away. And because, yes, it's not very common that I, well maybe it is in some places in america but it is certainly yes more british looking so we should probably before we get too deep into the how much pebble dashing <laughs> it makes something british uh we should say like what what is the film actually about sam great question chris that is a great question <laughs> so we've got this mysterious puzzle box uh sure. which if you accidentally click into it in a certain way it like opens up and you can rotate a few bits and then click it back in in a different way and then you'll just summon some extra dimensional sadomasochistic beings the cenobites that's right the cenobites and so these these creatures they don't differentiate between pain and pleasure and it seems that you know this wasn't whether or not the character Frank, who initially gets uh, sucked into this extra-dimensional place uh, with these creatures, whether he knew exactly what it was he was getting himself into, who's to say? But it seems like he was like a thrill-seeking, possibly like had addiction uh, issues, that sort of thing. So he was looking for something beyond. And so there he is. He's sucked into this extra-dimensional zone and he is essentially ripped to shreds. <laughs> yeah. Early doors. Quite li- quite literally. Early doors, you know, within the first few minutes. It didn't, yeah, it certainly didn't hold back in terms of setting up the plot, did it? Like, <laughs> I think, you know, quite a lot of horror movies now do spend quite a lot of time on more like character development and things before you get into the the gore or the real nitty gritty of what, the horror is about whereas this jumps straight in yep quite yes quite visceral gory horror from the start lots of um i mean it's 1987 and it's relatively low budget mm. uh, so it was lots of practical effects sort of great prosthetics i'm looking up now it had a approximately one million dollar budget in 1987 mm. and so it used that budget uh, sparingly. So like you said, largely set in one location, which was a real house. There were They shot a few places on um, on a soundstage somewhere, and there were a couple of bits like out and about, but largely just in a house with quite a small cast. And yeah, pretty, 
pretty gory. Had you yeah. uh, had you sort of you know hiding behind your fingers a couple of times? I noticed. Yes, Chris. This one it did get to me. I don't know, like if something's changed in my in my life, but I just yeah, it was. I think it might have been. You mentioned it's a lot of practical effects, and so yes. it is very. Oh, what's the word? Tactile. Yeah. Like the characters are like you can really feel it, and it's like slimy and bloody and uh, it just injury detail and anatomy detail i I mean i don't know i I know it's a 1987 movie but i don't know if if we want to jump into into like a spoiler if there's anything you want to say before we get into spoilers or do do you think i don't know because i hadn't seen it and i think i think that if you are a horror fan or you're not a horror fan but you for some reason want to watch it um <laughs> i think it would be a shame to to spoil some of the details yeah all, all i'm gonna say is so it famously there's quite a long hellraiser franchise in fact there is a new hellraiser film scheduled to come out later this year do you know how many not including this new one do you know how many sequels hellraiser has spawned i actually don't i'm gonna guess seven nine there'll be nine sequels in in order, so Hellraiser, Hellraiser 2, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, Hellraiser 4, Bloodline, Hellraiser Inferno, Hellraiser Hellseeker, Hellraiser Deader, Hellraiser Hellworld, Hellraiser Revelations, and Hellraiser Judgment. And the one coming out later this year is just simply titled Hellraiser. They're doing that thing where they just bring it all back around. That's so interesting because I feel like I this, obviously, Pinhead, yes. the sort of cut, the, the lead Cenobite, uh, he is extremely famous in sort of the the horror genre he's he's iconic he's it's an iconic image of horror played by doug bradley uh who is in most of these sequels Mm. um not all of them but i think seven of them and um he's very recognizable but yeah i hadn't i hadn't no i had not appreciated that there it was such a major franchise in that respect so yeah, I mean, we did all the Resident Evils at one point, didn't we? So let's jump on this <laughs> as our next yes. franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, all right, just so me then. Maybe, maybe just you. So should we get into spoiler alert, alert then? I'm just trying to think if there's anything else to say prior. I mean, I mean, should I do my fear factor rating now? before, And then Go anyone who wants to... Go for it. Okay, so I actually gave this an 8 out of 10. Oh, that's that's very high for you. Quite high, yes. This is, I think, joint rated with uh, the Audition movie, mm-hmm. where that mainly had a high rating because even though like some of it was sort of like fantastical, but like the concept of it was a potential real-life scenario that could happen. <laughs> yeah. Whereas obviously, Are you saying this isn't? Yeah, this extra dimensional beings coming through, you know, and not knowing the difference between pain and pleasure, obviously possible. But I think like like you said, I did find the the sort of and like gore doesn't normally bother me that much, but I think it was the kinds of injuries and the fact it was very tactile in in its and visceral in its nature. Mm. And plus like Julia, who's the stepmother, played by Claire Higgins. Yes. She ends up performing acts, violent acts that, you know, just no man is worth it is all I'm going to say. No man is worth (laughs) it. (laughs) 
If you find yourself... Listen, listen, kids. No man or woman is worth doing what Julia does. No. Like, it's a massive red flag if, you know, you're being asked to perform such horrifying scenarios. Well, sh- should, we, should we get into what those scenarios are then? Indeed. Here's the spoiler. So if you don't want to hear any detailed conversation about this movie, please skip to... 26 minutes and 45 seconds. Murder, Chris. Murder. <laughs> <laughs> not not just murder as well. So Frank, who we've already mentioned, uh, calls upon these, these Cenobites and gets torn limb from limb. And then his brother and his wife move into... So his brother Larry and his wife Julia, who we've just mentioned, move into this old house where Frank had been living and was torn limb from limb. It's an old dilapidated house. Larry accidentally cuts himself and gets blood on the floor of this room upstairs, which then gets sucked into the floor. And Frank uses that blood to come back, but only partially. He's like, he's basically just bones and, you know, a bit of flesh. And even then he's not like, first time he comes back, he's kind of like child size, essentially, it looks like. And he convinces Julia, whom he's had a passionate affair with, uh, at some point in the past, to kill random lonely men who she lures back to the house with her wonderful hairstyle. And then uh, she clobbers them to death with a hammer and he sucks all their juicy bits or something like that. Yeah. It- <laughs> <laughs> That's my insight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think it's the, I guess because I hadn't, I didn't really know the plot of the movie at all. I just knew that this pinhead character exists and the Cenobites as a race, species, whomever they are, exist. I didn't know how they interacted with the humans in the story, anything like that. So I think, I feel like I was watching it almost from like a 1987 audience perspective where I had no idea what was going to happen. You know, with a lot of these movies where like Alien, all the sort of video nasties, like you can kind of, you've heard a lot about them over the years and I just somehow have missed this franchise. And so I think like just the sheer sort of nature of it, the violent nature of her acts, of her acts of murder, and like just the fact she's so she's so willing slash not willing, you know, she feels forced. Once like Frank has been accidentally partially brought back from this extra, you know, he's escaped the Cenobites. That's never happened before. And she's like in this <laughs> wild situation where you've got a half man, half monster demanding you provide more flesh and bone for him in order to then with the promise of, you know, a continuing passionate love affair <laughs> to relive the glory days or whatever, I don't know. It just, like, it just, it's just really irk, like, irksome, isn't, like, icky. It was just icky. The whole okay, thing, yeah. the whole thing was icky and it just, like, really got into my bones. I can, I can see the film poster now. Hellraiser, directed by Clive Barker. Icky, Dr. <laughs> Samantha Rolfe. <laughs> <laughs> icky. And it's, it was... in, it's in quotation. Icky in quotation marks. 
please. Dr. If you, Samantha Rolfe, the St. Albans <laughs> film guy. Do you have a better one word description for it, Chris? I, I, I think there's a reason why they don't tend to go for one word descriptions for uh, <laughs> these movies. I, just, I guess the other thing is. Unsettling? Unsettling. Yes. The other thing is, and obviously you've got the fantastical nature of the Cenobites, the extra dimension, blah, blah, blah. But, sure. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But having listened to, watched, consumed information about true crime over. And boy, have you. I think just that, that, that very nature of their relationship of Frank and then Julia, you know, the affair, and then him, the. Yeah, just the the rock and a hard place situation she found herself in. Plus, you know, do whatever you can for your man to please him. And then, you know, we're in spoilers, aren't we, Chris? Yeah, we are indeed. Spoil away, spoil whatever movie you want. Doesn't even have to be the Hellraiser. No, well, sure. But spoiler for this movie. she He turns on her and murders her in the end. So it was yep. all for nothing. She didn't yep. get a reward. And this is the same. This plays out over and over when it comes to these kind of things. So I just, I think it was like playing very true to a lot of true life stories that exist. And, I think, it, you know, I th- red flag situation. I think what we're saying is crime is bad. Yeah. But that's why it was like extra icky. Because I feel like extra it was... Extra icky. I feel like Sorry, it was, put that in the quotes. Extra icky. It was holding up a mirror to a society. To society. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favourite phrase. <laughs> but in a, in a time, 1987, in a time where I don't think those kind of... I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but where that kind of scenario was actually being told. I don't know if we can make that sweeping a judgement. I no, think I, I'm just, have... I'm just asking. I'm not, I, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's for definite, but I'm just saying like those kind of stories of like intimate partner violence or abuse or coercive con- control, c- control and so forth. I think like a lot of that has come to light in the last 10, 15 years, but before that, I don't, I mean, I, I'm sure people obviously knew it was going on, but the fact is it was not probably talked about in the same way that we talk about it today. Probably not, but I think that sort of uh, stories have appeared in cinema and stuff throughout for large amounts of time. I don't think it's a newer thing. No, but not in such a icky way. Icky way. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just not being as insightful as I as I <laughs> normally you am. Usually are. Yeah. But yeah, I I just I don't know. Like I've been all out of sorts today, Chris, and I think it was having watched the movie last night and then today I've just been I've not had a good day. I've been I don't even no, nothing nothing has annoyed me specifically, but I've just been annoyed. And maybe it's because of that. Quite possibly. So but I will say I thought this would I mean, do you have any further spoilers? No, go for it. Go with what you're about to say. I will say that it was an excellent movie. It sounds like I didn't enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed it as a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, if you're a horror fan who, like me, for some reason, has not seen this, this ticks every box for horror, for, in my personal opinion. It had a good plot that wasn't, that was actually like had some depth. It had gore, but not to the point that it was gore for gore's sake. And it was actually kind of scary. And yeah, I was hiding behind my hands. Uh, you know, I could have jumped behind the sofa, but I didn't get quite that far. Only at, <laughs> only an 8 out of 10. But yeah, so would 
Would recommend. Nice. So well done, Clive Barker, who I, I was reading. Basically, he do, he directed this. He he wrote it himself. It, it was based on his book, and he'd been uh, dismayed at previous adaptations of his work. So he decided he'd direct it himself. So good work, Clive. Yeah, I mean, if you want a job doing properly, do it yourself, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Right. So uh, in part four, we will. Oh, no, 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 no. What am I doing, Sam? What am I doing next month? What are we watching for Sam's Friday Fright Night? That's a great question, Chris. I've got two choices down and I don't know whether I don't know whether we want to toss a coin or something. No one has coins these days. No. Got dice. I have in front of me. I have uh, my national insurance card. (laughs) As um, as one does. To so, hand. do you want to? We, I can flip that. We can do code up or code down. So, have you got in mind which one's which? Yeah. Okay. So I'm flipping it. Excellent podcasting. I think the audience will agree. We've gone code down. Okay. In that case, we will be watching Boomika. Ooh, this doesn't sound like it's in English. No, it is not in the English language. I think it's in I think it's been dubbed in several languages because it's out of India. Okay. And I think it's originally in Tamil, but I might be wrong. I I've just looked it up and it says it's Tamil language, yes, Indian Tamil. There we go. So and uh, this is a group of people who I think they either buy or they're investigating a kind of derelict site. And they want to like maybe, I, this could be wrong. I'm doing this off the top of my head <laughs> from having looked it up a few months back. But they they want to redevelop this area, and then so strange things start happening. But are they as supernatural as they seem, Chris? I'm sure we'll find out. So that is where can people watch that? It is on Netflix. Okay, Boomika came out in 2021. It's in Indian Tamil language. And that is on Netflix, so we'll talk about that next month. Part four is where Sam discusses her films on free-to-air television for the forthcoming uh, week. I was about to say month. Uh, I hope you didn't prepare a month's worth. For the forthcoming week, we've got ooh, quite a few on Saturday, the 26th of March, starting with, well, do we do them in time order or order that they're actually, you've written them down? Let's go in when they're on in the day yes please so at 11 a.m on film four home alone 2 lost in new york getting a bit festive in march aren't we i mean is this one also set at christmas yes oh well <laughs> what's film four up to i don't know so i as you know chris had not seen home alone and we watched it together we and did I, I did i did enjoy it even though it was also quite horrifying the, the... <laughs> but I decided I saw this on the bill um, for free to air television, and I just thought, well, why not have a have a have a quick catch up of the other the other Home Alone series movies because soon after, in yes. fact, directly after, immediately following it on film four at one twenty p.m. It's Home Alone three. Yeah, that's right. So I'm sure they both capture the magic and hor- horror of the first of the first movie. So. You can sit yes. down of a morning and in of an afternoon and catch up with those. Home Alone 3 has a whole new cast, but does feature an early film appearance of one Scarlett Johansson. Well, there you are. So 
Home Alone 3 at 1.20pm on Film 4. Then moving on to 6.55pm on E4, we've got the remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah, I mean, you by saying remake, that was literally all I had to say about it because I've not seen this. <laughs> I was like, it's got gonna, Keanu Reeves in it. Ah, I was going to say, oh, so this is a this is a, uh, a remake of the 1950 something. Actually, it might be earlier than that potentially. Uh, 1951. Ah, there we go. 1951. Yeah, the day the earth stood still and sci-fi sort of classic story. Got Keanu Reeves in it. I picked it because I hadn't seen it, and I thought it's there. Let's watch. Sure. Then also on Saturday at 9 p.m. on Great movies uh, a film we have seen uh it's zed for zachariah that's right this has margot robbie and chris pine yes and she will tell edgy four two out of three thank you it wasn't sort of like it, it didn't from my recollection it didn't really have like a big cinematic release or anything or it wasn't particularly yeah i don't i think maybe it had a more of a cinematic release in the u.s but not so much here yeah, so this this was um, I actually studied this book at school, Chris. Believe it or not, I, I do believe it. It's a bit of an odd one. Like I feel like I was maybe the, like my class were like the only people to ever have done this. I don't know. I think I think it's a again a very popular book for uh, American school children to study. But I don't. Yes, I don't, I haven't. I don't remember anyone else I know sort of studying at school. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. And hopefully not hopefully not precedent, uh, because it's about a nuclear apocalypse and a a valley which is spared uh from said nuclear wasteland. And actually I think Margot Robbie's character is perhaps a little older than the the character in the book, because in the book it's like a I think she's about twelve or fourteen, something like this. And her family have to head out to get supplies, but sort of never come back. So it's just her and the dog and I think a cow, something like that. And she's very familiar with obviously the entire valley, what's safe, what's not safe. There's one river that's radioactive, never drink from it, never bathe in it. And then a second river that's that's safe that doesn't run through the nuclear wasteland or anything. And then one day a strange person in a radioactive protective suit walks into the valley and she sort of pretends like she's not there, watches him from a distance. He, of course, sees the river and jumps in, but it's the nuclear, the one that's like radioactive and ends up getting radi- radiation poisoning. And uh, yeah, so that's the, pretty much the uh, storyline coming in from the book. But having seen the movie, I totally can't remember how different it, how it's different from the book. I want to say, I mean, I've not read the book, but I have seen the movie. I mm. want to say that they add a character. I think they add, don't they add Chris Pine's character? to the movie and he's not in the book yeah that does ring a bell so i think they add a character so it's there's more like a different dramatic you know tensions and stuff yeah because the book the author actually died before writing like the final chapter okay the book is actually not not finished and that was one of our assignments at school was to write the final chapter of the book so did you go do you remember if you went for a really upbeat one or went for morbid as hell I mean, it's me, Chris. I probably went more uh, as hell. Morbid as hell. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, we should move on to Monday, the 28th of March. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, sorry. I, I skipped forward a bit. Sunday, the 27th of March, uh, a less morbid film, at 1.30pm on Channel 4. It's the excellent A Knight's Tale. 
Yeah, that's right. This one, this one's a bit of fun, isn't it? Lots of comedy in a historical setting. It, it's about a, a young squire, not of noble stock, who pretends to be a knight and enters jousting tournaments and basically falls in love with essentially a princess, but also meets Geoffrey Chaucer, played as by a- Paul Bettany, and as a little gang of his friends. And yeah, it's all good fun, as you say. Yeah. So then let's let's move on to the last three, which are all... <laughs> Also, you know, devastating. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So I was going to say, after Zephyr Zachariah, because I accidentally skipped over A Night's Tale when I was looking at it, what I was going for was another morbid one about the end of the world. Uh, Monday, 28th March on Film 4 at 6.40pm. It's Deep Impact. That's right. And this was one of those movies where it's like got a twinny and uh, around the same time, possibly even in the same year or at least like six months either side. I think it's the same year, yeah. uh, Armageddon, Mm -hmm. where you've got, you know, another asteroid hurtling towards the Earth. Um, But this one, for me, I think resonates a lot more deeply. You know, it focuses a a lot more on what's happening on the Earth, how people are dealing with the fact that, you know, there's this global catastrophe you know pending and it it turns out as we've learned when global catastrophes happen everyone deals with it really well yeah they they listen to scientists and they they deal with everything calmly and rationally yeah and that's exactly what happens in deep impact (laughs) as you say Armageddon is obviously it's another Michael Bay film, as we discussed earlier, but it's a very sort of, yeah, it's a big bombastic Michael Bay, you know, it's it's about the act of saving the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas Deep Impact is about all of these many different characters from all around the world, how they're dealing with it, and it's very much more of a drama th- than Armageddon. But yeah, also, different type of potential apocalypse at 9pm on uh, Monday the 28th of March on Great Movies. It's M. Night Shyamalan's Signs. Yeah, this one, I think, if if you've already seen Signs, you know there's like a few great bits in it that are going to make you jump behind the sofa, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's excellent. It, again, it really sort of deals with how people might behave in such a scenario. So this one is an alien invasion where the reason it's called Signs is because they the aliens managed to use like cornfields and 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 various other land areas to create sort of a map so that when more incoming aliens uh, head towards the earth they can see where the sort of safe areas are or where they're setting up bases or whatever yeah and yeah it's it's a, even though it is kind of spooky it is like kind of fun as well i hope i'm remembering it right <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I think it is a it's one of the classic ones now. Although I did see the more recent Shyamalan uh, movie Old. Yes. And I believe you liked that? Yeah, I did. I I don't think I'm trying to think if other ones I've seen the more recent but yeah, I think this Old went back to sort of a bit more classic Shyamalan. So, mm. but yeah, signs is also a good one if you've not seen it. And finally, uh, in your pick of films on free-to-air television, uh, on Tuesday, 29th of March, at 6.10pm on Film 4, we've got Ridley Scott's The Martian. Yeah, so this one's just one character's apocalypse, <laughs> where <laughs> yes. they have been abandoned by accident on Mars after a, a terrible storm that forces them to abort the mission, and he uh, they think he's died. 
but he yep. survive, has survived and ends up having to figure out a way of contacting Earth to say, actually, I'm alive. And then NASA and the American people, the world, all pull together in this one man's plight of being stranded on Mars. <laughs> and yet we can't friggin' wear a mask to protect each other. Uh, yes. So... Um... All-Star cast, sorry, I was, <laughs> was going to give a bit more context of the film. So All-Star cast of uh, Matt Damon is Mark Watney, the astronaut stuck on Mars. It's got Jessica Chastain, Jeff Daniels, Sean Bean, Kristen Wiig, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Donald Glover, Benedict Wong. It truly is an all-star cast, isn't it? Yeah, it's everyone in there. And The Martian, as a book, because this is a an adaptation from a book by um, Andy Weir, has been well received in as much as that the the science in it is very sort of true true to life, like the way that he survives on Mars and so forth, and figures out this, that, and the other is all very close to science facts rather than science fiction, but put into this fictional setting, which has been yeah well received. I, I think largely the the bit where science is sort of stretches in it is is the the storm on Mars that causes the problem is like exaggerated like a thousand a... times as, like wind on mars is weak as and yeah. that storm and they is... make this big storm and and it yeah they have to escape yeah but beyond that as the inciting incident yes it like he uses mark botany is a character he's a botanist so he has to learn how to feed himself and grow stuff on mars and use all his wits and nails and stuff so Anyway, that is The Martian, and that is it for this week's um, St. Albans Film Guide. If you have any comments uh, or anything you've about any of the films we've talked about, then please do email sam at com or chris at com. We would love to hear from you. And I will be back in a couple of weeks' time, along with Sam, where we discuss my pick of films on free-to-air TV, as well as uh, where to next. But until then, we will bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. I'm just realising I don't know what day. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pause.